title of my message is Dealing with Scars. And you know that devil comes and he hits us. And it can be in any way. But those scars which intended to wound and disable us become the testimony and the power and the life that rams shame right down hell's throat. What do you believe that? And I want to talk to you about that this morning because I believe that God wants to bring our, lift our vision and open our eyes to walking in a dimension of faith where the devil does not have the victory over our lives. And I want to, I want to read something to you, very familiar passage, because I'm, I'm doing a series right now about where we as a church are going. And I shared four things last week, last week to you that in order for us to move forward, we must understand our past. Everyone say, my past. Every one of you have a past. Some of you may feel like, yeah, my past is something I do not want to talk to anybody about. My past is hidden. I want to hide my past. If anybody knows about my past, I know I'll be rejected, I will be shamed, I will be put down. But do you know what? Satan means for evil, God can take and raise it for His glory. God never intended, it doesn't matter what you've come through, what you've walked through, what you have done. God takes your past and He uses it as a message to set others free. You may not have a pre, you may not like your past. You may not like what you've gone through, and you may feel, man, I don't understand what I walked through, why it happened, all these things. But God takes it, and even though we had no power to control it, how many of you have ever felt like if you could have controlled things, things could have been different? You know what? You God God actually doesn't allow you to control certain things. He actually allows you to walk through things and through storms that you have no power over. And you know the big question that comes to every believer is this: Why? Why me? Why well, heard the echo there? Why me? I want to take you through a very interesting scenario, and it's about Jesus. Do you know Jesus had a past? And it was a past that he surrendered to. It was a past that was so confusing to the disciples that even Peter rebuked Jesus once day, one day and said, Jesus, this is not going to happen to you. You're our king. You're a winner. You're a champion. You're the Messiah. You're not going to go and be shamed and draped and, and, and destroyed and, and hit with chains and you're not going to, this is not going to be the outcome of your life. Your life is to be better than this. The disciples had a plan. They, they thought that Jesus should come as the Messiah, victorious. But instead, He comes and He surrenders Himself in Jerusalem as a criminal. As one He, you know what, the, the, cruci the Roman crucifixion was not just for people who just had problems. These were considered as criminals that was intended to be not only killed and tortured with a slow death, but they were to be shamed in such a way. That this, this may not be in your mind, and it's never on, you'll never see this in a picture. 
But when Jesus hung on the cross, part of the crucifying of any criminal was to strip them naked. Jesus hung on a cross, not draped. He was completely naked and beat to a pulp to where they couldn't even recognize him for the purpose of shaming him. I want you to get this picture in your mind. This is our king. This is our Messiah who was stripped naked. And he's the only one who was executed who had the power to call legions of angels from heaven and deliver him, but he chose not to. And then he's buried. And while he's buried, the Bible says, Peter says in the book of Acts, that his body did not see corruption, but he was raised because it could not see corruption. But here we find the very first time after Jesus is raised from the dead, and I want to say these four things that we're on, that that our journey involves our past. Everyone say our past. God wants you to stop being ashamed of your past. Then Then it involves your destination. We're going to be talking later about destination. Then we're going to talk about the journey itself. Because every destination has a journey from the start to the finish. What's, and the last thing has to do with the ultimate purpose. There's four parts in where we're going. But I want you to see something that had to do with Jesus. This is his first encounter with the disciples. Starting in verse 19, John 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, at the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear. Listen to this. They're hiding. When there's shame and there's disappointment, guess what you do? You go into hiding. Everyone say hiding. They were hiding because their particular anticipation and their plans and what they thought would would be the right kind of an outcome was not the way they thought it would be. So they go into hiding. The doors are shut. That's a sign of a person who's hurting, bleeding, disappointed. Things didn't turn out the way I thought. The, I thought my Messiah would be the kind of guy that would deliver us as Israelites and bring us to a climactic, successful end. But instead he was crucified. And he was killed. And so now they're hiding. And then it says, Jesus came and stood in the midst. All of a sudden, he appears. He just appears. I want to say something here. When you're in hiding, Jesus is going to appear to you. He's going to be trying to speak to you. And he appears right in in the midst of their fear. He appears and he says, peace be with you. Jesus begins to speak peace. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't even bring up their failures. He doesn't bring up the time at the Passover when they said, guess what, guys? You're all going to flee. The shepherd will be smitten and the sheep will be scattered. And I told you that you would be cowards. That's not what he does. Aren't you glad that we have a Messiah that doesn't bring up our past? But he says, peace. I want you guys to know I'm coming to bring communicate and convey peace to you. And when he had said this, 
He showed them his what? His scars. Why would he do that? Why would he somehow open up his sleeves and say, Guys, I want you to see my scars. Why didn't he talk about the glory of being with the Father? Why didn't he talk about the injustice that was done against him? Do you know that those Pharisees and those, the Romans, they didn't get it. They didn't know who I was. Why didn't he become defensive? Instead, he raises up his hands and says, Guys, I want you to see. This is the very first encounter. The very first thing after the resurrection. I want, I want you to see the scars. I want, he lifts up his, his, his robe and he shows them the the cut and the side. It goes on to say, and he showed him his side. Then the disciples were what? They were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, So Jesus said to him, Peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Now notice this. He just shows him the scars, and he says, I am now sending you to give testimony that those scars and those wounds and those things that hit me, that were trying to hurt me, did not destroy me. In fact, I'm alive, and this is a testimony that what Satan meant for evil, the Father has raised me up, and I stand before you to prove that the gospel is true. And so they were glad, and Jesus says, I'm now appointing, I'm now going to commission you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. How many of you just, everyone say receive. I want you to understand that when you see the scars, and when you understand the power of the cross, Jesus wants you to be in a place where you begin to receive. I want you to receive power. Because power helps me to see beyond just the wounds and the scars. He wants me to see something far greater than what the enemies attempt to destroy my life. He wants you to see that. Receive. We've got to be in a a place where we're receiving. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Notice what Jesus is saying here. He's bringing his people into a place as disciples to understand that there's an authority. There's authority in your life to forgive and to see a bigger and a brighter picture. That's what the whole purpose of forgiveness is that there's a grace given to see something much greater than what you've gone through. And then he says this, because this is what Jesus has said. I took the scars not to simply just show the scars and rub the scars in the face of those who afflicted me, But I'm showing the scars to let you know there's an authority now. There's an authority that rests on my life to forgive. There's an authority on me right now to bypass and and to be greater than, rather than to shrink back and hide and let the enemy and let the power of the affliction of the scar begin to take dominion over me rather than I rise up and I, I can forgive and I can move forward on this thing. Everyone say move forward. How many of you believe God wants us to move forward? There's a lot of people today that have been hit with scars. And those scars seem to polarize, they paralyze. Jesus said, I want you to understand, those scars were the attempts of the enemy. Now it says, verse 24, this is the second encounter, starting with verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. 
The other disciples therefore said, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print. The word print there in the Greek, it literally means a die or a stamp or a scar or a mark. Unless I see the mark, the scar in his, of the nails, and, and I can put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Let me say this. Do you know why God allows you to suffer scars? Is because God's going to use your scars to draw the doubting Thomases. God's going to use your scars to draw people that would never otherwise believe. You may think those scars were just a hit against me. No, those scars are intended to draw the doubters. Boy, now, I'm not getting shouted down here this morning. God wants to use your scars. Now, you may say, Pastor, I have no... I don't want to share. I don't care about what other people believe, whether they believe or not. Well, that's why God allows us to go through things. Do you know what you go through is not for you? It's not even about you. God uses the worst. He uses some horrible situations to bring you to a place where he can anoint. Do you know where real anointing comes through? True anointing comes through crushing. Do you know in the Old Testament... The only way you could get anointing oil is you had to take olive berries and crush the berries to where they were brought into a place of oil, and it was the oil that lit the lamps. Your oil comes through the things that you walk through, and it's that anointing that breaks the yoke in others. And yet the enemy wants to use what you've walked through to shut your mouth. The devil wants to use what you've walked to to feel like you're defeated. No, what you've walked through was intended to launch you, not to stop you. In fact, you're going to speak into things, into people's lives that others won't even be able to. I I want to say this about Dave and Dana. They walked through a suicide of their son a couple of years ago, and I told this to Dana. I said, Dana... You're going to minister to people I could never touch. She has a scar and will wear a scar for the rest of her life, but it is not a scar of defeat. It is a message. There's a mark there. And guess what scars do? Scars attract people. Have you ever noticed that people love to hear about your scars? People love, people will go and they will give testimonies in seminars about what they walk through. I can talk to you about heroin addiction, but I've never suffered the problem. But if I was a heroin addict, you're going to hear me a lot better. I've never suffered the death of a son or a child like Randy and Karen and, and Dana here and Dave. But because of that scar, God anoints them and there's a release of power to connect with people that are walking through things that a guy who talks about it has no authority against those who have actually walked through it. 
And you see, the devil wants you to think, well, the devil what? You made some mistakes. No, no, no. I refuse to believe that. When Jesus was showing the scars, what he was doing was he's saying this. I came through it. There was pain. There was death. There was suffering. There was nakedness. There was shame. But I'm here as the resurrection and the life. And I'm here to let you know that Satan has not defeated me. I am now a voice and there's an authority that rests on you. There's a wisdom that rests on you that no one else would be able to walk in because of the shoes and the call and the walk that you may not have planned, but God actually has allowed you to walk through this season. Even if there were self-inflicted scars or self-inflicted mistakes, I made some mistakes. God even takes the worst of my mistakes. He even takes my wrong choices. And through my wrong choices, I'm able to touch and let people know, I made wrong choices. I didn't do it all right, and there's scars on my life. But His anointing, His Word, His love, His grace, His mercy never left me. And I'm here to let you know that what Satan meant and what happened to me, God can raise and raise me up to be a voice and a blessing. A lot of people think that we're up here because we don't have scars. A lot of people think that ministers and pastors are up here because, oh, we've had a perfect life. That there's a distortion in the body of Christ today that think that the true ministers don't fall, they don't fail. No, I want you to know I have failed. I've suffered with porn in my life. Well, I want to stay away from you because you're defiled. You shouldn't be preaching. Then you don't understand the whole message of the gospel. Do you know that the four gospels... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are about disciples who followed Jesus who horribly failed. All the way up to the Passover, they were squabbling about who was going to be the greatest. While Jesus is planning his death, they're worried about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. We're talking about pride, selfishness, self-centered, and they're worried about their own particular ministry. Up to the cross. And you know what Jesus does? Jesus changes his garments and he washes their feet. Because they still didn't get it. And then when Jesus surrenders to the crucifixion and the scars that were laid on his soul, his body, and he was shamed and tormented and then ultimately killed for us. He was setting an example. Everyone say an example. For us. To follow in His footsteps. He could have come out of the... Did you know that Jesus in His glorified... His glorified body will forever have scars. His glorified body wasn't without scars. When He raised... He still had the marks... Why? Because he doesn't want you to be ashamed of your scars. Some of us are hiding and we're running from scars. and I don't want to talk about it. That's because you don't understand the fullness of the grace of the gospel. 
Your mistakes were not intended to hide you. That's what religion does. Religion says you have no authority. You are disqualified. So run and hide. But that's not the gospel. The Apostle Paul, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when he was talking about how Jesus appeared to all the apostles and Cephas and the apostles and other leaders, and then it said, but last of all, but last of all, He appeared to me who is not even worthy to be called an apostle. And he says, I'm the least of all. But he says this, and he says this, because I persecuted the church. I took innocent families and destroyed them. I had people stoned because of their faith. It's a scar. It's a scar in my mind. It's a scar. Everywhere I go, I'm reminded by people. I go into churches and I'm reminded, you're the one who killed my husband. He was a believer. It was you, Paul. It was you. I know. It was me. But I'm only here by the grace of God. I'm not here because I'm qualified and because I I got some kind of credentials. I'm, I'm only standing here not because I know I, I hurt you. I, I separated families. I destroyed people. But I'm only here because of the grace of God. What am I saying? What's, what's the scriptures? What's the Holy Spirit saying? God wants to heal you from shame. Let me tell you what conviction does. Conviction says, no, actually, let me start with this. Shame says. Or guilt says, I've done bad. Shame says, you are bad. Conviction says, you need help. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, He doesn't say you're bad. He doesn't even remind He says, you need help. Everyone say, I need help. Come on, let's all say it. Some of you didn't even move your mouth. I need help. The devil wants you to say, Nobody can help me, so I run into hiding. You just listen to the devil. That's a demonic lie from the pit of hell. That's why we need family. We need the church. We need one another. We need to run to the house of God. The devil wants us to run away. We run to him. I didn't write the book. He did. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's tearing down. He's stripping down the fear. He's stripping down the, the lie. And notice what happens here in verse... It says that verse 26, after eight days, this is a separate encounter. The disciples were with him inside. And Jesus came and the doors being shut and stood in the midst. He stands and he says, peace. I love what Jesus does. Let me tell you something. Anytime there's shame, there's fear. Anytime there's a problem, anytime there's sin, you should be, in, you should be met with the peace of God. God wants to confront you with His peace. He didn't confront them with guilt. He didn't confront them with any kind of shame. He says, I come to bring peace to you. I know you guys have gone through a very troubling time. I know that your faith has been rocked and shaked to the core. I know that the things that you thought were going to be one way and went another way, your outcome didn't fit the thing that you thought, but I'm here to bring peace to you. And it's not the kind of peace that makes sense. 
It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that I will give you. He's trying to convey and communicate a peace to you that gives you that sense, not necessarily a feeling, but it's an inner sense that God is in charge. I don't understand it, but I know the outcome is going to be good because he which begun a good work is faithful to complete it. He's going to bring this to a good outcome. Everyone say good outcome. God has a good outcome. And He wants you to know that's why He's saying peace because He's already destroyed the powers of darkness through His death. And so your, your scars no longer represent defeat. Your scars are a testimony. It's the mark. It's the mark of Jesus. It's Jesus allowing a mark on my life and a testimony that God has given me and anointed me to bring healing and deliverance. Do you know that people that walk through things, and I I say this about Dana, say it about uh, Randy and Karen, say it about myself, I say it about Jerry and others. Amen. Let me tell you something. You have an anointing to minister and a long-suffering patience and a faith to connect with people that others will not have. We're a body. And you're going to connect with people. And the devil wants you to think, well, I can't. Look at my family. I'm divorced. I'm separated. My kids have gone by the wayside. I don't don't have any real hope. I, I want you to understand, Jesus comes to speak peace to you. Not only does He speak peace to you, He speaks His favor. He comes to communicate favor to you and and let you know that what the devil has done and the the things that have been stripped out of your life are not the final chapter in your life. He's come to bring resurrection. He's come to just open. He wants to open your heart. And let me tell you something. The whole idea of showing the arm means I want you to feel peace. I want you to have a sense of confidence when you're being Naked and transparent about your scar. How many of us know that it's easy to hide our scars? We put a mask over our scar. We put makeup on our scar. We come to church and say, how you doing? I'm doing so fine. I'm doing fine. Are you doing fine? I had a great week this week. Praise God. Amen. We kind of put that good foot out for it. And everybody just feels good about, well, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. It's just kind of putting that mask over the sky. Doing fine. Now, I'm not suggesting that we come and say, well, I just want you to know, man, here's my scar. Pastor Ray just said, being naked and honest, so I'm going to be naked and honest. I'm going to let everybody know. You know, I got scars. I got scars here. I got scars there. You want to see some scars back here? I got, I got scars everywhere. I've been through hell. I've been through this. I've been through that. I'll tell you, if we're going to be naked and open and transparent about scars, let's let them all shine. Praise God. Now, there's some people that take scars to a negative side where we just kind of have a little, what I call a pity party about our scars. What kind of scars did you get from the brothers? What kind of scars did you get at that church? Well, I got these scars. Here's my scars. I I want to show you my scars. Oh, my scars are bad. They did this and they did that. You know, the devil will love us. How many of you know people of the same feather attract together? I don't want to get with people that show, shine my scars and talk about my scars and I just waller in my pity party. 
Because let me tell you what's behind the pity party. Pride. Pride is behind my pity party because it didn't go my way. There's a scar. I'm going to let everybody know my scar. Let me tell you something. You you have a scar, but Jesus wants to heal you from that scar. Wants to heal you. I think we've all, we all, there, there are three things that you need to know about scars. Number one, we all have scars. All of us have more intense scars. Some of us have not so intense. We all carry scars. Number two, your response to God's grace and your response to how you deal with those scars determine your future and how far you're going to go. You can let your scars stop you in your tracks and actually take you backwards where you begin to blame God, blame others, blame yourself. You can let the scar destroy you. The third thing we need to realize is God has a purpose for the scar. It's not his will that you got the scar. It's not his will that you were abused. It's not your will, his will that you were hurt by people or even self-inflicted. That's not his will to destroy. He comes to give life. But he does use the scar, and he uses those things to help us. I want to read something to you by a woman who is a phenomenal ministry today. How many here have ever heard of Christine Kane? She's a phenomenal speaker, and she uh, gives a little bit about her scar. I wanted to share this. She says, I was adopted as an infant and raised in a traditional Greek Orthodox home with traditional gender roles. A woman was brought up to be in the home and was, encouraged, uh, and was not encouraged to read the Bible. The priest was the one who read the Bible, not the congregation. When I brought my first Bible home, my family acted like, who do you think you are reading the Bible? Marrying and having babies was supposed to be my highest aspiration, according to the Greek Orthodox religion. I am basically a Greek Orthodox mother's nightmare. I didn't marry until I was 30. Didn't have my first child until I was 35. I travel the world, and I begin to teach the Bible. In terms of my own faith journey, growing up, I attended a lot of two-hour services with liturgy in ancient Greek. I didn't even understand what was being said as, long, as far as even what was going on. I was diligent as a churchgoer, but it seemed to be more about our culture rather than a focus on a personal relationship with Jesus. So I grew up in a strong God consciousness, but not a personal relationship with Jesus. I was sexually abused by several men as a young woman in my life. I tried to tell others and my family as well as somebody else that I, I've been, uh, that I tried to tell somebody that could have intervened. But 40 years ago in Australia, the word abuse didn't even exist. Nobody talked about that stuff. You walked in the shame of it and you buried it. When I was young, I cried out to God in my naivety and innocence. And in my desperation felt he, was, he wasn't even stopping it, God. He wasn't even helping me. That marred my image of God. I, I, a lot of my adult life has been a journey of learning to simply trust God. God is good and God does good, but God allows bad things to happen to good people. 
When, you first, when you're first abused, you feel the shame about what is happening to you. Uh, when it happens over a long period of time, you then begin to think it's happening because of who you are. So I grew up feeling a lot of rejection, shame, insecurity, fear, anger. Over the years, I've had to fight to renew my mind to place uh, where I understand at the core of my being that Jesus is trustworthy. When you're abused, you shut down. You think you're used goods. You think God could never really do anything with your life. You can hear a thousand sermons on destiny and purpose and God having a plan for your life, plans, good, plans for good and not evil. But if you come at that with a shame-based nature, then deep down you can never really believe God could ever use you uh, as well as trust Him. It certainly has been a fight of my life to get to the place of simply trusting God to redeem the brokenness and the broken pieces of my past for his glory. As I started to serve in youth ministry in my mid-twenties, she says, I realized that I was going to have to deal with the darkness in my own life before I could shed light on anyone else. And so begin the journey. A pain, the pain of recovery, she says, is great. I want you to listen to what she says here. The pain of recovery is great. I was a downhill slalom skier. And one day I was skiing down a very steep hill when I took a sudden fall. I tore my ACL while downhill skiing. The pain was was excruciating. But nothing like the physical therapy afterwards. For months following the surgery, every minute of every day was excruciatingly painful. At at one point, the therapist said, Christine, your recovery is totally dependent on you. You know the degree to which you're willing to embrace the pain of recovery is the degree to which your knee will heal. And the pain of recovery will be greater. Listen, the pain of recovery will be greater than the pain of injury. But if you do it, listen to this, if you do it, everyone say, if you do it. Because there's a, there's a particular responsibility. If you do it, your leg will be stronger than your other leg. Is that amazing? For the rest of your life, I think in the same way, Most of us don't embrace the pain of emotional or spiritual recovery because there is pain. If your soul has been wounded before you come to Christ, it will will likely still be wounded immediately, immediately afterwards. In the same way, if your body is broken before we pray the sinner's prayer, it still is broken the minute after we pray it. There's not often this instant physical healing. We have to undergo a process of restoration to have the wounds of our soul healed and to allow Jesus to touch those dark places. When I became engaged to my husband, Nick, I did a round of what I would call deep, intensive healing, counseling. I began, I began really working through issues God was bringing to light. 2007, Nick and I felt God was leading us to get involved with a rescue of victims of human trafficking. We're now able to provide a place through what she calls as the A21 campaign, an international 
uh, trafficking organization with the goal of abolishing slavery in the 21st century for those who feel they have no purpose and that nobody loves them were able to rescue girls, see them restored, and help them rebuild their lives. Isn't that an amazing story? A woman who was abused sexually, gone through tremendous amount of addictions, and yet now God is using her on a global scale to rescue girls and boys out of sex, sex trafficking. What are, what are we saying? What, what, what's the whole purpose of a message like this? I, I, want, you to, I want you to see what Jesus says to, 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 uh, to Thomas here. When Thomas is in the room with the, the rest of the 11, Jesus says, Thomas, he says, reach your fingers here. Everyone say here. I want you to hear me here. Thomas said, reach your finger here. Jesus was inviting Thomas to touch the scar. I want you to touch, I want you to feel what I went through. I want you to understand something. God doesn't want you to hide your scar anymore. He's going to use your scar and people are going to reach and they're going to see. And they're going to understand. And you know what it's going to do? They're going to find healing. They're going to find identification. They're going to find patience in you. They're going to find a sense of peace and knowledge and hope, knowing that if, if you came out of that and you're raised back to life, then there's hope for me. Thank you. Thank you, Dana for sharing your testimony. Thank you, Jerry, for being transparent. It gives me hope when my family is broken. God never intended for us to hide. You know, one of the things that happened to me, I'm so, I'm so proud and so blessed to be identified with the Men's Conqueror Series. These are friends for life. These are amazing champions. Some people think, oh, it's about a porn problem. It's not about porn. It's not about drugs. It's not about... The, that's the symptom. We're talking about... We're dealing with men that have the wounds that are so deep, the scars that were inside that they used the drug, the porn, the alcohol, the medicate. These men opened up. These are champions. These are winners. We've learned to take the mask off. We've learned to be transparent. And you know what? We're friends for life. We're brothers for life. And we're finding healing through accountability. We're finding healing that we don't do it and we don't make it alone. We're finding healing. And God's healing us. How many of you believe the body of Christ should be that? We didn't get a whole lot of hands on that one. But you know what? The devil still works in our brain. Oh, yeah, but Pastor Ray, you don't know what I've walked through. You know what? But he does. Let me tell you, my anointing and my effectiveness and our ministry and our future is only to the degree that we are able to respond and react and take what Satan has done, what people have done, maybe even what I've done to myself and lay it against the grace of God on the scar, because the purpose of the scar 
was to open my eyes, to open my understanding that where sin abounds, grace abounds greater. Everyone say grace is better. Grace is stronger. Where sin abounds, where, where abuse abounds, where, where there's neglect, when there's rejection, grace abounds is greater. I want you to see something here. When Jesus said, reach your finger here, look at my hand. He didn't say, look at my majesty. Look at the Father. Look, look where I'm going. He didn't say that. He said, look at the scar. What is he trying to say? He's saying, guys, do you know what the strength of the gospel is? It isn't just that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Everybody's heard that. But is the gospel working in you? I want to see how the gospel brought you through with your scars. Don't hide your scars. Don't hide the scars. Let them see. You know, some of us are raised in the perfect world, maybe. I don't have scars. I, I haven't done that. I haven't done this. I, I'm just in a perfect world. Well, I pray that you're able to reach people. I'm not suggesting that we as a church are going out and just telling everybody our sad story, but I do believe that God's going to bring us across paths where people are going to need help and they're going to say things, and that's going to be the door of opportunity. We need to use wisdom on how we share what we've walked through. Amen? Do you hear what I'm saying? Use wisdom. But here, Jesus is showing Thomas. He's called Doubting Thomas. Thomas doubts. He doesn't really believe, but when he sees the scar, he's no longer a doubter. It's not because Jesus told him about how great heaven was and how bad hell was. Because Jesus went to hell, then he went to heaven, ascended to the Father, he was glorified, then he came back to earth for 40 days. But Jesus says, the most important thing, guys, I want you to see my scars. I want you to see it. Don't be ashamed of it. Yeah, but Pastor Edge, I'm just afraid of what other people will think. Grace abounds over sin. By the way, I've had people reject me because of my scars. They'll always reject me. Some people may not understand that. I've come to realize that it's not about putting a face on a front. It's about being transparent and being honest and being real. I'm here to tell you that I am completely delivered. I'm completely healed thanks to the things that God allowed me to walk through. It was painful, but it was good. It was so worth it. I actually wished it would have happened a long time ago. I'm not kidding. Notice what Jesus goes on to say. I want you to look at my hands. I want you to look at my side. Reach, reach, reach in. Reach. Can can you say that to people? Can you ask people to reach in? Can you invite them to reach in into your life? Or do you push them away? I want people to reach in. Jesus is saying, I want you to reach. Don't, Don't be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas said, says that Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, now notice what Jesus says. This is powerful. Jesus said, Thomas, because you see it, just because you see it, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You know, I wonder what that scripture meant for years. 
What Jesus was saying here, so important, is that Thomas was satisfied by just hearing the testimony. Because it basically validated the fact that he was the Christ. But when Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen, means this. Thomas, what you see happen to me outwardly was to illustrate and to show you when you understand by faith what I did inwardly to you. How many of you know Jesus wants to heal our scars internally? If all we do is satisfied by what we see, oh, I'm glad by the, the things are going the way I hoped they would. But when Jesus showed him the scars, the whole purpose of it was to illustrate that what I went through and the transparency and the afflictions and the hits that I took on my body was to point to a deeper healing of what I'd done to you. You are no longer a sinner but you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Do you remember the woman that brought the alabaster box and broke it? And Jesus said that this woman, she did it unashamedly. She broke it. She washed and anointed the feet of Jesus with her hair. It was a a form of, of worship, unabandoned worship. She just gave all to Jesus, and here's why. No one understood what was going on. All the religious people thought if only Jesus was a true prophet, he'd know that this woman is an unclean woman. She's a, a defiled woman. That's what they saw on the outside. But Jesus rebuked everyone and said, this woman is doing this as a memorial for my death. And here's why. It's because Jesus, she, this woman had a revelation that this, as the Lamb of God, was coming to die for her so she could live. And so she recognized the healing and the cleansing and the washing. This woman knew already she was cleansed and healed. And so when you're cleansed and healed, guess what? You can worship the Lord without fear and without shame. And she came boldly and she didn't give a a rip about what anybody else was thinking because she was truly healed. When you're truly healed, you're not living for the approval of man. You are not living for the approval because it's true worship. Because she knows that what he's done is a complete and whole work. So I'm going to close with this. And I want you to jump over with me. Hebrews, my last text. Hebrews 2. Then we're going to go and have a celebration of Thanksgiving. I want you to see what Hebrews says about Jesus. Inasmuch, verse 14, Hebrews 2, 14, inasmuch then as the children have been partakers of flesh and blood, that's you and me, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death, shared in the same. That means he understands. He shared in the same pain. He shared in the same nakedness and rejection. He shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those, this is the second thing, he released those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage and scars. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does aid 
That means an atonement or a relief in the Hebrew or Greek. It means to atone. He gives aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful, faithful priest, high priest, in things pertaining to God, to make perpetuation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. We are so fortunate. We are so blessed. We serve a God who's removed the shame. He's taken the shame. I know there are people that have scars. God wants you to begin to look at those scars differently. He wants you to respond to the grace in spite of the scars. His scars mean victory for us. His scars was intended to show us that when we receive scars, that we're to take those scars and look look at them through the eyes of grace. It's a scar that will be with us for the rest of our life. There's things and consequences that we cannot remove. But through the consequence of the scar, God gives me an anointing and a grace and a message and a platform to reach people that I could have never been able to reach before. You will have a compassion. You will have a patience for people that you never had before because of the scar you have. You will be, it's not about your message. It's not about giving some word. It's just being there. How many of you have been around someone? How many have ever gone through something and someone was just there for you? They didn't preach at you. They didn't teach you. They didn't give three points on a poem. They just said, I'm there for you. You know why they're there? Because they have a scar. They can identify and they love you. See, your past and your scars begin to launch you into a future, into a destination. Now we're going to be talking about the goal. Because you know what? All of us, if we can understand, if we can grasp this, if we can begin to wrap our faith, instead of allowing Satan to use our past or our problems or our addictions or our lies or our issues that we've been held bound to, if we can take the grace of God and say, okay, God, I see your love, and it was your grace that leads me to a place of repentance where I begin to change the way I think, and I'm not going to allow my feelings, I'm not going to allow my warped and torn feelings because of the scar to define where I'm going. I I don't want to be held captive in bondage to this demonic lie anymore. I, I break that curse in Jesus' name. And by the way, it's important for you to confront it, declare God's grace that is greater than the problem of your scar, and you begin to define yourself as a mighty man and a woman of God. You need to do that. You don't just sit there 
and allow the enemy to say, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? There's times where I just say, Satan, shut up in Jesus' name. I do that. I don't say, I rebuke you, Satan. I tell him, shut up. That's the New American Standard Version. (laughs) Shut up. When the devil says, you don't have any right to stand here and declare peace, I said, shut up. I'm not here, by the way, I'm not here because I'm qualified. I'm here because he qualified me through his blood. I'm not here because I deserve it. I'm not here because of Bible college. God forbid for that one. I'm here because of simply his grace. And because of the humility, he worked a lot. He's knocked the pride right out of me. I tell you, he'll strip pride. He uses things to strip the pride, and you stand naked. And it's reason by the Bible says that no flesh will glory in his presence. God uses the weak, he uses the foolish things, the things that we would despise. He uses that. So everyone will see Jesus and not man. I could stand up here and say, guess what? Praise God, I'm so thankful that I've never done drugs and never did porn. I'm so glad that I had a rosy life, and I kind of feel sorry for all of you people. Praise God. You need to get up to where I'm living. I never did drugs, never run in gangs, never had a fight with my wife. My wife and I, 40 years of bliss, never had a problem in our life. How many would like to come to a church like that? Well, there are people that actually are looking for preachers that never have, never had a problem. Thank God I have come to the church where they're all perfect. Now, is that a license for us to continue in sin? No. Because God wants us to come to a complete deliverance, healing, and repentance. He wants us to be free and go and sin no more. He does not want us to live in sin. He said, go and sin no more. How many of you know that's where he wants us to come to? And I want to tell you, you're anointed, you're called, and you're chosen. And he comes to this morning to elevate you to a place where you are in his family, and he delights in you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He has not rejected you. Do not let the scar define you anymore. He's destroyed and defeated and he's rammed Satan. He's rammed shame down hell's throat. And you stand complete and above reproach in his sight today. If you'll simply receive it. Amen? And remember what Christine Kane said. Even after she was saved, she still felt, she still felt wounded. We understand that. Scars create wounds. But you have to take the word of God and lay it against your emotions and say, okay, I am hurt. But God is greater. And I am going to think thoughts that are right and holy. Whatsoever things are pure and true, holy and just, I'm going to let my thought life determine my direction, not my emotions from a wound. Over time, God will heal 
those emotions. It may not take the pain of the memory away. But God will give you a vision for your life. Amen? He loves you. And He so delights in all of us.